Hello and welcome to episode 112 of The Brand Lounge, where every Thursday we feature insightful brand stories to showcase the hundreds of ways that businesses are started, the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur, and to encourage you to build your business your way. I'm Tammy Heald, your host and founder of Shadow Cat Creative, where I'm a personal brand and marketing consultant. And today I'm once again joined by Kelly Cookson, email copywriter and educator at her business, Cheer Up Marketing. Welcome back to the show, Kelly. Hi, Tammy. Thanks for having me back. So in the last episode, listeners, Kelly and I talked about email marketing, building a list and top tips for embracing crafting, converting sequences. My goodness, that's a mouthful. (laughs) So be sure to to listen to that one if you missed it next, especially if you have any interest in incorporating email marketing into your business. But today, Kelly, we're talking all about you and your business journey. So as before in the last episode, we started at the beginning. We're going to do the same here. So what was it that first inspired you to start your business, Cheer Up Marketing? Oh, Tammy, it feels like it's all come to fruition this last month or so, but I will explain why later. But yeah, it's all come about because um, I became a mom, basically. So I have worked in marketing since 2008. So a long, long time. Well, it feels like a long time. Um, I've had various kind of marketing executive roles, worked up to head of marketing at a software company. And um, in 2017, I had my daughter, Penny. Um, So after that, I went back to work sort of part-time. My boss was amazing. I did two days a week for a couple of months and I built back up to three and we left it at three days. So he was really, really accommodating. I trained up the person who was working under me to take more, more of my role. So, um, you know, I had a brilliant transition of coming back from maternity leave. It was all wonderful. But I knew when she got to sort of two, she's four and a half now. And a colleague just mentioned to me, kind of off the cuff, we were standing around like having a coffee and we were just chatting about school. She's got three girls and she was like, oh yeah, so oh, when Penny starts school, you'll need to make sure that you've got one with wraparound care, you know, like a breakfast club and an after school club. So you can come to work nine to five. And I was just like, oh, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. I just had this weird, like light bulb moment of no, 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 no. I don't, I don't want to come to work nine to five and put her in a breakfast club and pick her up late and all of this stuff. Yeah. So I just kind of had that, it planted the seed of, right. I want to do something else. I think I want to start my own business. So I say it's become kind of come to fruition now because Penny started school last month and I walk her to and from school every day and I feel like I'm living the actual dream like you know I feel very very lucky and privileged that I can take that time out and and run my own business around those precious school runs which um, are just lovely so far so yeah that was the the catalyst for starting my own business Tammy I just knew that the corporate world wasn't really going to serve my ideal life as a mum I guess so I love that it's such a highly personal reason that inspired you to start your business which is often the case I think um whether it's our future lives that we want to be shaping or more of our immediate future particularly when it comes to um family and having more time to be able to engage with them as we want to that really is such a driving factor so when it came to actually moving away from full-time employment through to starting your business what did that process look like for you like how did you how did you make that decision what were the kind of steps that you took 
Oh, so I started a secret side hustle, <laughs> which my boss didn't know about. So, and also I feel like I get a little bit woo-woo with this, Tammy, but I feel like fate kind of played a hand because while I was having this epiphany of, no, I, I want to put my daughter to school, like, what am I going to do? An old colleague reached out to me and said, oh, Kelly, you still do marketing. Like, would you mind doing a little project on the side in your spare time? Because I know you work part-time to support me with a project. And I was like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, let's do that. That's good. Um, you know, I know your business. I've worked with you before. So I started doing that sneakily my boss is listening sorry boss and it grew from there it was interesting because I suddenly realized oh it's actually quite easy to make money um, doing something that I know and I should say as well it's very embarrassing to admit but before that happened I tried a bunch of unsuccessful side hustles like flipping clothes on eBay <laughs> I was gonna sell digital art on Etsy like my husband's like what are you doing like and so when um it came to actually making money through something that I knew which is marketing duh it was easy to make money so I thought well goodness why don't I do this then? It seemed like the obvious thing after I tried lots of different um, unsuccessful, weird side hustles. So yeah, this woman approached me and I did a little bit of work on the side and then it kind of grew from there. Like word sort of got about in my old circles that Kelly's doing a bit of marketing work. So um, I actually managed to grow um, a fairly decent sized client base. I was massively undercharging though because the whole thing on pricing, I learned a lot about that. But you know, so I was massively undercharging, but at the same time, I was like, actually, this could be a goer, you know, like I've got these clients already. I've got no website I've not promoted myself because it's secret so that gave me the confidence to think right if I actually launched a business like doing this the thing that I know marketing then it could work so I did that for maybe nine secret months until I handed in my notice in the November of 2019. So I spoke to my husband and I have to say, um, not that I needed his permission, but he's amazing. And he was super supportive. I also spoke to my mom who works for herself. She's like, Kelly, you'll be perfect for this. Like you can do it. So because they all were bigging me up and saying, yeah, you'd be great entrepreneur, like go for it will support you that gave me the confidence to then hand in my notice build a website launch that business and then I left that job in January 2020 just before the pandemic which is a perfect time to launch a business yeah so I, I built it up as a side hustle and then I made the leap into just running it full-time from the January interesting so before you had this epiphany was the, and you mentioned that your mum was she works for herself had it ever occurred to you that you would actually leave the corporate world and work for yourself God, no. No, 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 100% no. Never ever wanted to work for myself. Actively avoided ever wanting to work for myself. I'd look at people working for themselves and think, oh my God, that looks so stressful. Like at least I've got a salary. All I wanted to do was work my way up the corporate ladder and become director of marketing somewhere. That's all I wanted to do. And then I found out I was pregnant and that all changed. <laughs> so um, yeah, just because sadly, you know, I, I do know people with families that have very successful careers, but um, for me, it looked, it looked too stressful. And when I had my daughter, I couldn't imagine like oh, you know it's one of these sappy things but I couldn't imagine how I'd feel about it and she was just everything and she still is and I just it changed my whole outlook on life and um, which sounds very dramatic but it, it's true and I just thought no nah, I don't want to do the whole um sell myself to corporate or work up that ladder and, and do that anymore I just want to my actual motivation I've mentioned money it wasn't the money the motivation was to spend more time with her and all I wanted to do in those early months was just 
earn the same as what I'd earned part-time as a marketing manager. And I did that straight out the gate. And then I got ambitious and I thought, oh my God, actually I could make this into something much bigger than, um, than it is. And now um, I am treading that line between having the time that I want with my daughter and also being quite more ambitious than I ever thought I was in growing this business. So it's been a very, very interesting journey in terms of that balance time versus money that's amazing to hear and I love the fact that your ambition is now being fueled by kind of the success that you're seeing within your business and having that freedom it's exciting for sure yeah so when you say that you started doing marketing projects because now I know you very specifically for being the email marketing go-to for me yes and I feel like that's where most of your marketing is that's where you're positioning yourself it's very much email focused was that from the start or from the start were you much more broad and you niche can you talk a little bit around kind of that journey oh this is such a great lesson in niching Tammy so um from the start it just made sense so I've always been an online marketer so I'm not an events manager or do kind of print brochures I've dabbled a bit of that in my career but I don't like it so my whole um marketing thing was online world of marketing so I did email marketing social media website stuff and very strong in copywriting so usually I would do copywriting myself and I'd outsource the design events management all that sort of stuff I would have a team to do that kind of thing in corporate um so when I started this secret side hustle people were approaching me for stuff that they knew so oh I need a social media campaign I need a website writing um you know I need a strategy on how I'm going to reach my customers all that kind of stuff so what I quickly found was I'd left a job as a marketing manager and I ended up being a marketing manager for about five different companies <laughs> five different clients and oh my goodness it was a hell of a lot of work and as I said it before I was massively underpricing myself because I had no idea what I should be charging so I was very busy um, which felt good you know I've got clients but I was also stretched quite thinly and doing lots of things that weren't setting me on fire so I actually um, it must have been around the June time so June 2020 when I kind of I did a lot of um, soul searching and journaling and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, what do I actually want to do? What do I want to make this business? What do I find easy? What am I really good at? And what do I enjoy? And it just came down to email marketing because I love the writing. I love the strategy. I love how measurable it is. I didn't want to spend all my time writing social media posts. I, was like, I don't see myself. I'm not a social media manager. Like that's not what I want to do. So I made the decision to just completely change my messaging and, and niche down into email, which felt scary because I thought, you know, at this point I've got all these clients, I'm doing all this work because I offer so many things to so many people. There's more people that are going to need that than just need emails. But when I flipped the switch and I just said, I just do email marketing now and I had to break up, I broke up with most of my clients straight away. So I had one scary month for July where I earned like very little. And I was like biting my fingers nails, like, oh my God, I'm niched into email marketing and I've made no money. And then the next month, sort of August is quite a quiet month anyway, but from the September, things blew up and people just knew me as Kelly does email marketing. And I all of a sudden had these dream projects where I was creating email campaigns, advising on strategy and all of that great stuff. And it just took off from there. So it's absolutely the right thing to do. But I'll admit that I was a bit scared to do it. <laughs> It's really interesting and encouraging to hear that you can and you have gone through that experience, even as someone who is experienced in marketing, because I feel like there are similar beats that I hear an awful lot that I also experienced, which was like, I know what I'm good at, but I'm going to offer a generalized version of that. And then it's a case of soul searching because you get overworked, because you get inundated. And the undercharging aspect oh. is something that's also familiar for so many business owners. So 
when it comes to your journey through pricing, are you happy to share a little bit around how that's kind of evolved for you as well? Yeah, absolutely. So it started off where I really pushed towards retainers because I felt like, you know, if I can get X amount of clients booked on a retainer, I knew how much I needed to earn after tax and minimal expenses running an online business. So I knew how much I wanted to earn to cover my old part-time salary. So I had all of that worked out, but that meant that I didn't stretch myself. So I kind of went for, right, if I can get five or six clients on what was a very low retainer fee, then I can match that salary. Whereas that then meant that I was working all of the hours. And at the time it felt really uncomfortable. Like I think some of my retainers started about 350 pounds a month, which is not enough money really. I don't think, or for me, like it felt very uncomfortable to ask for 350 pounds to retain me (laughs) to write stuff. And I was like, I look back now and I think, geez, like, you know, it might sound a bit arrogant, but I don't go above 350 pounds a month now, but I think I have to go on that journey. And, you know, I'd be really, really scared to let people know my price. And I think, you know, people can sense that kind of, um, what's the word? Like you're not confident in it. So they will sort of maybe push you a little bit to even go lower or that kind of thing. So yeah, it was wasn't comfortable um I look back now and think like the time when I asked somebody for sort of maybe like a 900 pound job and I was like oh but you'll be my VIP client that kind of thing and and now I think again like I charge a lot more than that um but you know you have to go on that journey of working out how much value you can bring and feeling confident in your services and of course when you first go out straight out the gates you can't like I am still not charging anywhere near what some more experienced email copywriters charge like the five-figure jobs that sort of stuff um I'm not there yet but I've only been you know I've only got a track record of 18 months of doing this on my own you know I've got the 10 years before me in marketing but I almost feel like I have to keep going on that journey of proven results for my clients and my prices creep up um so there's definitely been a whole mindset piece around charge as well and understanding that some people whatever you charge some people will still think that's expensive and they they can't afford to work with you or they don't see the value and that's fine but the big lesson for me has been the more I charge the less clients I need so there's less selling I have to do like five people might say no to my higher price but I only need one of them to say yes and it's like it covers all of my expenses and more so there's definitely been um, a lot of work that I've had to do on pricing myself and confidently asking for that money and like building myself up to feel like as L'Oreal would say you're worth it (laughs) kind of thing brilliant um was there a pivotal moment that you found where you were just like oh this pricing malarkey is beginning to connect did you work with any form of coaches or anything I'm just I'm really curious because it's such a common journey in various individual states but what was it for you that kind of started that spiral that little spark of I'm I'm gonna charge more because of x y and z yeah so I have invested in coaching from almost the beginning of my business and I credit that to helping me get to where I am today so the first coach I had was less around pricing that wasn't her expertise but she was more um, helping me to tap into my intuition as a business owner and what I wanted to do with my business so it was her she was a catalyst that helped me niche into email marketing because I felt like that was what my heart and my brain was sort of telling me that this is going to be the best thing to do so she supported me through that transition she didn't tell me to do that So any good coach will kind of help guide you to see the thing that you want to do. So yeah, working with her, I made less money because I sacked off all of the clients that weren't serving like what I really wanted to do. (laughs) So on paper, it looks bad, but actually she was the catalyst then for me niching down. Uh, And then after that, I've had two coaches since that helped me with pricing. So really kind of getting to this um, idea of helping me package up my services, my second coach, because 
I didn't have any um, experience of doing that before. You know, in the corporate world, I'd never had to pitch my services that way. I was the one holding the marketing budget all the time. And obviously I'd seen people like branding agencies package up their services, but I I didn't have much of a clue what a a solopreneur should charge. I know agency have got their fees to cover and so on and their their overheads and a team to pay. But for me, I think that's why I grossly underpriced myself because I saw myself as a freelancer and that I don't have, I'm not running an agency. I don't employ people. I don't have an office so I can charge less. And actually that didn't serve me very well. So my second coach really helped me craft packages so that I could repeatedly sell things. And I wasn't creating a new quote for somebody every time because it would take me hours to create a quote. Someone would come to me with a project, even when I'd niche into email marketing and it would be subtly different to something I'd done before. So I'd spend there ages sweating over this quote and what to put in and how to pitch it and what to price it. And I'd be on my calculator and how many hours it was going to take. It was painful. So my second coach helped me create packages, Mm -hmm. which was very, very useful um, and worked a little bit on the mindset as well around um, what I could be charging. And then um, my third coach, I started working with in February this year, 2021. And we've just finished up six months working together and actually as part of a mastermind group um, of other female entrepreneurs all working towards like earning more money basically but still honoring their time and space with their families so that was absolutely pivotal in helping me again move up to that next kind of income bracket and she really helped me to um, again hone my offer and I created a pre-recorded version of my online program which I can sell um, continually because I found that I had a lot more people coming to me than I could serve. So, you know, you can put your prices up, but I still didn't have the time to serve everybody. So that coach helped me create this um, online version of my previously live program, which I can continually enroll people into. So that has really helped me again, hit my next kind of income level goal, which has been really useful. And I, I, that was kind of on my mind to do that, but without that pushing from that coach and the support of that mastermind, I think I would still be procrastinating on it now, but I thought I've paid her a lot of money. I need to crack on and do it. So I did. So yeah, coaching has really played a, a role, I would say, in helping me move faster towards my goal. Interesting. It's just, it's so fascinating to hear because I've I've seen and been around your kind of digital world for a while now, but it's really interesting to hear kind of a bit more of the behind the scenes of how that's developed because the business that you have now sounds so so different to the super secret marketing agency that you were doing Mm -hmm. absolutely and that was only a couple of years ago and seeing how it's grown and changed and flourished and all working towards that goal that you originally had of spending more time with your daughter is just it's really wonderful to hear so in that journey, are there any kind of key moments where you're like, this has been a huge success or this has been something that maybe you found a little bit more unhelpful or distracting other than the pandemic? Like, we know that that's <laughs> happy for you to explore that if you want. But I, I do invite you to kind of share if there's anything, any other key moments that you're like, that really surprised me. I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. So I think celebrating successes is something that I am terrible at, you know, and actually just talking to you now about actually how far I've come since that April, 2019 secret side hustle 
and setting his business up in January 2020, I think, wow, I've actually done a lot and so things much. have changed a lot and I'm doing really well. And I never tell myself that. So I try and journal. I do write down most nights actually before I go to bed. It's a bit of a routine, but I write three wins for the day. And that can be as simple as I made a healthy dinner. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of a <laughs> bit of a day where I've not done much. I'm like, I made some food or, you know, I went to the gym or, um, but, you know, sometimes it's celebrating like I made more money than I've ever made ever in like one month. And I write it down. I'm like, all oh, right, onto the next page. I'm like, no, slow down. Just take a minute, woman. Like, what is wrong with you? So I've started buying myself a mini bottle of champagne so that when I've done like the live launches that I've done I've had that in the fridge like right drink that and flipping toast yourself when you've closed the doors on this launch and you've made some good money you know or or you've invited people to work with you and you've got some amazing clients so I've been really bad at celebrating those successes and it's something that I'm painfully aware that I need to do more of because if I just keep going without praising myself for the stuff I've done then I don't know how far I can go like I think you have to stop and reflect and give yourself a bit of praise um otherwise what a terrible boss I'm being to myself I'm like right carry on next goal (laughs) my goodness I never thought of it like that yeah absolutely we're we're the worst bosses for ourselves because we don't recognize or spend that time to and as someone I don't know if you're the same but I thrive on recognition and reward like same I'm just like I need to be told that I'm doing a good job so when I report to my other half at the end of the day like I've done x y and z today and I don't get the response that I want (laughs) yeah so I'm trying to slow down and reflect a bit more I think that's going to be kind of key to long-term success because otherwise I think you can kind of get on this treadmill of right I've made that much money so I'm going to make that and I work with this many people I'm going to do that next and you know I do believe very strongly that you need to write your goals down and have something to work towards otherwise it's a bit intangible and you just kind of pooping along but yeah I don't recognize them as successes nearly as much as I think I probably should maybe that's the balance though is if you're the type of person and I am as well where it's like I want to write down my goals I want to know what I'm working towards I want very clear steps that I feel that I'm going to take to move me towards those goals you need to balance that by going I am writing down and recognizing what I have done and what I have achieved so you've kind of got that balance between the two otherwise you're always always pushing forwards and it's trying to run downhill where it's like you're you're gonna get there but in one piece would be preferable and by recognizing how you're achieving that you're kind of leveling out your your mindset and the way that you you look at your business I guess from a from a version of success yeah absolutely especially with time at the moment time is just such a weird it's such a weird pace in the world going through all of that through 2020 with the lockdown particularly you've just started your business before that my business I had just gone full full full-time self-employed just beforehand as well and the sense of time was very, very different. And I feel like 2021 has, I keep referring to it as an emotional hangover from 2020. It's still got a very weird sense of time and pace. So I think that maybe now more than ever, it's really important to look back and go, holy crap, I've done all of this in that amount of time. That's just yeah. absolutely insane. And I never think about what Kelly January 2020 would think of me now. So I think the goals that I'm hitting now, I could never even dream of, um, you know, in terms of like how much money that I'm bringing in or what kind of people that I'm working with and the clients that I've had, you know, it's, um, yeah. So I think that also helps with the reflecting, like what would your self sort of a year and a half ago think of where you are now? Yeah, I um, I wrote a letter to myself that I sealed up on the 21st of October last year that's been sat on my desk ever since. <gasps> 
that was like this time next year this is what I want to be doing this is what I want to achieve this is what I feel like my this is what I would be happy with my life doing and I'm kind of curious because I don't remember a lot of what I wrote in there I think I've got an inkling of some of the things that I would have spoken about but I was in a very different place this time last year to where I am now like mentally emotionally physically still in exactly the same spot um, <laughs> but I'm really interested to open that letter on the 21st and what I want to do is write my letter for next year the day before so I'm not influenced by kind of my reaction to the letter that I've written I love this I think I'm going to try this too yeah give it a go and then we'll recap next year and see how it goes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because it it really speaks about you can reflect back on the mindset that you had at the time in the past but you're looking at it from that period of growth so the way that you reflect is going to be different because it's going to be indicative of how you're feeling now as opposed to how you were feeling then I just kind of wanted to capture that I think I got the idea from Chloe Slade um who runs Vibe and Flow but yeah I actually did it and I'm so glad that I did because I'm so excited to open that letter (laughs) I'm gonna do it too although I do look back over my journals from sort of a year ago and like seeing the goals that I've written down there and so that sort is a good exercise to do as well just thumbing back through that book but yeah I'm gonna write the letter to tell me that's a great idea oh exciting you heard it here listeners we're gonna review next year and see how we feel (laughs) about it (laughs) right let's talk a little bit around your business and your brand as opposed to kind of the business journey that you've gone on so far so when it comes to choosing your name I love your business name I think it always makes me smile and I love kind of the way that you can like I I love a good name that works in so many different levels like having cheerleaders and things like that with cheer up marketing so how did you choose your business name oh it was so hard but I in the end somebody recommended a book to me and it was called don't call it that by Eli Altman I think is the author the book's definitely called don't call it that and it's all about naming stuff and it's literally a very practical workbook so I worked through that workbook because I had all kinds of really rubbish names before and I'm not going to reveal here but the the cheer up thing um again I think it works on different levels because especially when I started my business it was all like overall marketing but I think it still works in terms of email marketing I wanted to work with small businesses and solopreneurs and help them cheer for their business online to get more people to see their brand and their business through marketing um so I think it still works you know like cheer up marketing also like that whole kind of vibe where I'm quite you know chatty cheerful person yeah so it was all about raising your identity and your platform and getting more eyes on your stuff through marketing so that that was the idea behind it but yeah I went through this whole process in this don't call it that workbook where one of the exercises it's really fun you have to write down the worst names possible that you could call your business like really awful stuff and really crap names <laughs> which was really fun to kind of get them all out but it's that exercise of writing down as many ideas as possible and then refining it um that's a very crude way of explaining how the book works but yeah I can't remember exactly what journey he took me on but um I came out with cheer marketing and I was happy with that so I stuck with it I also love the implications of it's like you're helping businesses feel better about marketing as well because you're like you're yeah. them up as well as them cheering their business I think I I love a name that's got layers oh you get it that's cool Tammy (laughs) I said to my husband the other day I was like I don't know if I should change the name and he's like no don't change it it's like what you've become known for now I really like it which really surprised me because his background is not in marketing or he's an electrician so for him to feel so strongly about my brand I was like oh all right then I'll keep it you know um I wasn't sure it fit anymore but yeah it does I just you know you kind of get these temptations to change things sometimes but um oh always every week (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I will find that book though, because I feel like naming a business, the reason that I ask this question in every episode is naming a business can be such a, for me, it took me ages to decide on a name. And I think I actually would have started a business years earlier if I had managed to settle on a name that I liked, which is so ridiculous, Mm -hmm. but it is important, but it can be changed. So yeah, I will link that book because that sounds like it, if it was beneficial for you, it will be beneficial for someone. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. It was very practical too. So I just felt like, right, I'll just do do these exercises and at the end of it I'm going to have a business name <laughs> brilliant <laughs> I, I love the idea of writing down all your ideas though as well because that's something that I try and do um with my clients is right let's write down all of the ideas that you can think of good and bad because once you've got the bad out of the way you make room for more yeah, exactly that yeah there's some corkers in there I can't remember what they are I should probably go and dig that notebook out I bet I've got it that somewhere. would be great I'd love <laughs> to see that that would be an email that I'd sign up for <laughs> yeah okay I'm gonna make a note you believe I nearly called my business this? bad business names there you go I've written it down that could be an email Perfect. So we've talked a little bit about how you invested in your coaching and your brand is very, very vibrant. So did you also invest in your branding or was that kind of an extension of your skill set from being in that marketing space? I know you talked about outsourcing before, but I have no skill set when it comes to design, Tammy. (laughs) I'm a strategist and a writer. So um, what I did with my branding, I knew from marketing background, I knew very early on that it was going to be important that I looked good. So the first thing I invested in before I'd left my job was a photo shoot (laughs) to get some amazing pictures. Um, So all those, the first round of photo shoot, um, you'll see I've got a kind of a pastel background. So I knew that I wanted my branding to be very um, me. I love pastel colors, pink. I, just because I like pink <laughs> and pastel blue, pastel purple. So I thought, right, I'm going to go pastels because all of my previous roles as well. So my last role was it for a software company, which was very white and blue. Um, I've worked for a law firm. I've worked for an Apple Mac reseller. So we had to do a lot of Apple branding. So I was like, I just want to brand myself in my favorite colors. So that was the kind of ethos behind it. Um, but with my photographer, Carla Mundy, she's amazing. If you find her on Instagram, she's great. She does a lot of rock photography, actually, but I've been friends with her for like 20 years so she was the woman to do my shoe um, but we had a Pinterest board so all of the kind of looks I really like with these pastel um, clothing and backgrounds and balloons and cake and all these kind of cool stuff we whacked it all on a Pinterest board um, and I went on to ASOS and bought myself an outfit so a few outfits like pinky kind of stuff and yeah we hired a room so again that felt quite scary because I think I probably invested nearly 400 pounds on the room hiring photography before I'd even like left my job but when I was pulling my website together myself, um, I knew that taking pictures of myself on my phone wasn't going to cut it. Like I needed lots of pictures of me that looked good and professional because I was acutely aware that as a marketer, how could I sell my marketing services if my website looked like I'd cobbled it together with some selfies? Um, so I knew that I needed to do that. So I invested in that. And then my colleague at my job, she was the design element of our team. So again, I'm the big thinker kind of words. She was the amazingly talented designer. So I asked her to create me a logo and put me together some colors. So she created a color palette with the hex codes and things that I used on my website uh, and chose some fonts for me that fit in with the kind of vibe that I had for the business. So I did all of that before I'd sort of left my job because I knew that 
to get this website together and my socials and everything. I wanted it to look cohesive and look as polished as it could do on the limited budget that I had. So, and to be honest, since then, I haven't changed much at all, really. I think it's served me pretty well so far. Um, and every now and then I kind of get that itchy feel. I like, like changing my business name, thinking <laughs> maybe I need a rebrand. And then I'm like, whoa, I think it's okay for now. So it hasn't, it hasn't evolved too much since that first, that first um, foray into my photo shoot and getting the colors and the fonts and stuff sorted. I think that that's fantastic though, because it, it shows that you had a very clear vision. And I think that particularly if you're coming from a marketing background or any form of creative background, you have this inherent knowledge that you can't explain and you don't know why it works, but you know that it's going to and it will last you. So when it comes to the strategy, and this is something I'm really curious to hear your thoughts around because there's such an overlap between brand strategy and marketing strategy. Do you feel that you've developed your own brand strategy? Do you feel that you're just leading with marketing strategy and trusting that your visual brand and you will just inherently carry that through? Through, or have you worked with a brand strategist at any point? So I haven't worked with a brand strategist. I think I would love to do that at some point in the future. So for now, it's all been me. But because of my background in marketing, then I do have a fairly decent foundation on, on what makes a brand. And I really view myself as a personal brand. So it's me. I'm selling me. You work with me. I don't have a team. So if I'm writing your emails, it's me writing them. If you're coming on my group program, it's me teaching you. So I'm very much aware that I am the face of the business and the way that I talk and communicate and the key messages that I want to get across, I need to do that in my style. So underpinning all of that strategy, I guess, is like it's being true to myself and owning my voice and and the craft of email marketing, I suppose. So constantly trying to educate myself on what's going on with that and, and serve my audience in that way. So I have five kind of core content pillars, which are key messages that I talk about a lot to help uh, my ideal clients come on that journey to understanding how email can um, support them and, and help them achieve their goals. So I'm very mindful of referring back to that document all the time of what my core messages and content pillars are, you know, to talk about that in my marketing. And I think I have had to do again journal I've journaled this out somewhat but owning that confidence of using my own voice and being my own personality because I always felt in the corporate world that I wasn't mean enough to make it (laughs) which is something yeah it's a bit weird going on with the mindset there but from the world I was in especially my last role it was very male dominated you know software like like I said, my boss was extremely supportive of the whole maternity leave and flexible working and everything. Great. He was a guy. But um, in that world, there were quite a lot of very strong male characters and male egos. And I often felt that my voice wasn't loud enough or I didn't want to become that kind of very loud pushy kind of person to Mm -hmm. to climb that ladder and become marketing director or whatever the goal was um so when I started my own business I kind of felt like right this is your opportunity to just be yourself and recognize that I'm not perfect sometimes I babble um you know in marketing meetings I'd find a lot of pressure to kind of get my point across very succinctly not joke about too much but I suppose with the whole cheer up marketing thing I've really embraced that I am who I am and if you don't like my vibe, that's cool. Like there's somebody else that can do your emails. That's awesome. Go to them. But if you do like me, that's even better. Like let's work together. So I've purposefully tried to own my own personality and what I see as flaws as well and, and go with it. I love that 
the fact that you have mentioned a few times there that it was really hard to find your voice and be heard and be loud and all of the rest of it. And yet one of the props that I always see you with now is like a megaphone. I'm like, ah, okay. I see where that's come from. Yeah. It's a whole cheer of your business online. Like, and again, I think that everything that I teach with email marketing as well is you don't need to be a different way to be successful in your business or your marketing. You can market as yourself, um, but you just need to learn how to kind of bring out your voice and, and use it in your marketing and your emails. Um, so I'm very much, you know, I like to work with people who maybe aren't as confident and sort of build them up as well to use marketing in that way. But um, yeah, you know, I, I've definitely found that I haven't had to be cutthroat to earn more than I did in my last job or trample on anybody to build my business in a way that I want to, which has been really nice. I think I did feel like I look at other people who are very successful in other corporate roles and think, well, they're very, you know, they'll sort of step on anyone to get there. And I'm not that kind of girl. <laughs> um, but yeah. <laughs> you don't need to be I think is what I've learned which is nice yeah absolutely absolutely and when it comes to the business that you've kind of grown and cultivated now what would you say is your favorite part of that business oh man there are so many favorite parts like I love most of it so you hear that entrepreneurship is a bit of a roller coaster and it is but I have had more ups than downs like I've had times when things have gone wrong for clients and it's really upset me because it's no one's fault but my own and when that time when I started to form my clients I looked at the money coming in and it was really low and I was really stressed but you know those moments have been few and far between and I don't know what my favorite bit of it is it's it is being able to slap pink on everything and glitter balls and balloons if I want in my branding. And the fact that I'm taking my daughter to and from school every day, which is the dream that I had from the very beginning. And I still have time to make more money than I did before. And yeah, I just, I look at it, it's like, a, it's like an amazing dream. And when people say, oh, so what do you do then? Cause I've met lots of school mums, haven't I now that Penny's at school and I'm like, oh, I work for myself. I run my own business. Um, Cause they're all talking about half terms coming up now. I'm like, oh, actually it's all right for me. Cause I work for myself so I can take the time off if I want to, I might do an hour here or there, or maybe an evening if I've got a bit of client work to do or something. But for the most part, I'm having two weeks off. So yeah. Wonderful. Absolutely. So yeah, it's bringing it back around to that whole, the driving purpose before, behind why you started your business and having that time back. Awesome. And my last question before we move on to your last bit of advice for the listeners is, and I will be shocked to hear your answer to this. <laughs> what has been your most effective or your favorite method of marketing? Your oh, business? what could it be? Oh. What could it be? <laughs> it's been the email list, 100%. So everything that I'd grown up knowing about marketing through my whole career was the email list is kind of where it's at. Because as you and I know, Tammy, social media is very kind of, um, you're at the mercy of the algorithm and you don't own the platform. So I knew from the beginning that I wanted to grow an email. I also knew that I was very busy and that once I'd committed to sending an email every week, that I was going to have to make the time to do it. So I did put off maybe for the first sort of three months or so from leaving my job, getting my website live and everything before I sent that first email. But, you know, I didn't have anyone on my email list at the beginning. So I think I waited until I had 30 subscribers and I was like, right, this feels like enough for me to send an email out and then do it every week. So I did that from the beginning. And I honestly can say that has served me so well because all the time that I've been nurturing that audience. And then when it came to creating an online program to teach email marketing, when I launched that kind of nine months into my business, I already had a pool of people who had been reading my email. So the proof was in the pudding, right? That I can write a decent email and that I knew what I was talking about. So when it came to pushing that out on social and email, I got a decent response. And I filled that group program that first time, which was really, really, um, really a relief for me. 
And also, you know, because at that time when I was promoting on social, I swear they knew that I was selling because I'd look at my Instagram reach and my audience was much smaller than it is now. It's not even massive now, but it was so small. And there'd be like 10 people seeing my stories and they weren't my ideal clients. I think nobody's going to buy this off Instagram. Like nobody's seeing it. This is so painful. It was really stressful. But I just kept on it with my launch emails. So I knew, right, this list is still small, but it's mighty and more people there are seeing it. And that definitely helped get, you know, that, that group program off the ground. So yeah, email marketing, 100%. So glad I started it. Everybody should, (laughs) you know, start it today. And then in six months, 12 months, year and a half time, it can grow into this amazing engaged pool of people that you can reach whenever you like to sell to them or, you know, just to say hi. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if you did miss the last episode, anyone out there listening to this, definitely go back and listen to that. If you have any questions or want to know how to launch your email list, because Kelly shared a whole bunch of wisdom in that one and yeah I am shocked to hear that email is your preferred method of marketing. What a surprise. (laughs) I know right cool so let's wrap up today's episode and again I know it's a big question but if you could give one key piece of advice to any of the listeners out there regarding your business journey and something that they could take away today, what would that piece of advice be? I think it's to take yourself seriously and your ambition seriously. So not in terms of you have to be serious, like you can have fun with it. But I have found that the one thing that's really helped me to move it forwards and become so ambitious and create the business that serves my life in a way that I want it is to tell people about that goal and get their support. So you know, my friends and family, I mentioned that my mom and my husband have been super supportive of this and my dad everybody but it's because I've vocalized to them and it felt scary saying I'm gonna leave my job and start wearing business and then they were like great and I was like oh okay I'm actually gonna do it and then it was like I'm gonna create and sell an online course teach people how to do email marketing oh great amazing and you know I kind of went on and did it and then I want to earn x amount of money and like you know getting there to do it so I think vocalizing what your ambitions are and writing them down is very very important because if you don't have goals or you don't tell anybody about it I almost feel like you kind of give yourself permission not to do it, or I would anyway. So I felt like telling people what my big vision was, even though sometimes when I was saying it, I'd even sort of laugh and I said like, oh, this time next year, I'm going to be a millionaire. Like, just to be clear, I'm not a millionaire yet. But, you know, I'd sort of say this time next year, I'm going to be earning this amount of money. or I'm going to make 10 grand in one month, you know, and then you actually get there and, and, and do it. And then you're not laughing anymore. You're like, boom, or like me, like, right, next goal. <laughs> Need to slow down. Yeah. And then, okay, that happened. What's yeah, next? What's what's next? <laughs> Double it, come on. Um, yeah, but writing it down and telling people about it and taking yourself seriously. And also one crucial shift that I made was not calling myself a freelancer anymore because I think, I think that was really um, kind of detrimental, which is a strong word, but I think that's why I pitched myself so low to begin with. Oh, I'm just a freelancer. I can do it for cheap because I'm not an agency. I haven't got overheads. I haven't got staff. Um, so I think moving that shift from I run my own business, um, you know, I'm a credible business owner. I've got big dreams. This is what I'm going to do. Help me to actually take the steps that I needed to do to get there which included investing in myself and investing in a coach because that was another cheerleader that I needed to help me get to where I wanted to be. I think that when you voice these ambitions that you have out loud, it does put it out into the world and you're like, right, this is what we're going with. This is what we're aiming for. This is what we're going for. This is something that I genuinely want to do, which is why I'm saying it out loud. And for me, the key was being able to say it out loud without justifying it afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's why I really like this. I put on this stupid voice when I'm, oh yes, I would really like to do this, but you know, if it doesn't work, it's fine. Or like, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it would be nice to be a millionaire in another year. And you're like, no, I want to, this is what I'm doing. This is what we're aiming for. And having that conviction, I think, 
And exactly like you said, like being serious doesn't mean that you can't be fun. Like the two are not are not in isolation of each other. You can take yourself seriously, but still have so much fun in your business and so much fun with your clients and the way that you're putting yourself out into the world. So yeah, I think that that's really, really excellent advice. Cool. So that's where we're going to wrap it up today. Thank you so, so much for sharing your business journey with us. It's been absolutely wonderful to hear a little bit around how you've got to where you are. And I look forward to seeing where you go in the future. Thank you. Um, so where can the listeners find more of you online, Kels? Well, of course, you can subscribe to my emails. Um, I write great emails, if I do say so myself. And if you are looking for some advice on starting a list or um, using email in your business, that I share lots of tips and lessons and behind the scenes in my business on my emails. So if you head over to my website, it's cheerupmarketing.com. There are plenty of course action to subscribe to the cheer list, which is my email list. You'll find it in the footer on every page of my website. And I also have a free subject line guide. So if you need some help crafting subject lines that gets your emails opened, then you can download that and you'll be subscribed to my list there too. So that's my emails. And then um, despite my love for email, I also do love a bit of Instagram. So I'm over at cheerupmarketing on Instagram so come say hey give me a follow and I also have a free Facebook group for um, business owners who want to use email marketing it's called from spam to wham email marketing community and there's about 900 or so business owners in there so come along and join us again I share some email marketing tips or you can tag me in a post there and ask me anything email or business related really go for it okay cool all of those links will be in the show notes listeners so make sure that you go and catch up with Kelly uh, wherever you prefer to but I do recommend the emails I always find them entertaining so yes definitely recommend those so yeah thank you so much Kelly I really appreciate your time and all of your wisdom thanks today thanks for having me and listeners if you're enjoying the podcast can I ask that you tell one other person about the brand lounge maybe recommending them your favorite episode perhaps these ones with Kelly would be a good place to start it really does help our podcast to grow and it means that I can continue bringing you new episodes and guests every week and until next time head over to our Instagram community with the links in the show notes and we can continue these conversations in the brand lounge.